The 2023 NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament was a highlight in the history of women's basketball, to say the very least. In 2022, the championship game averaged 4.5 million viewers over the course of the event. This year, 2023, the game had an average of just under 10 million viewers. The boost in attention seemed to be the culmination of efforts made by the WNBA and the basketball community as a whole to increase league interest and to increase the interest in women's basketball. In 2022, the WNBA posted its highest viewership in 16 years, averaging about 372,000 viewers in regular season games. Skylar Diggins-Smith, Sue Bird, and recently Kelsey Plume have all advocated for higher pay, drawing attention to the league. And all of this has set up the women's tournament for 2023 perfectly. And boy, did it deliver. Multiple round upsets, a rarity in the women's tournament. Uh, we had Toledo over Ohio State, a 5-12 matchup. Another 5-12 matchup in the first round, Florida Gulf Coast over Washington State. So there's two upsets. Miami over Villanova, the 9 over the 4 in the Sweet 16. And UConn lost in the Sweet 16, the powerhouse of women's basketball for the past two decades. But then you started to hear about this one team with this one player. And no, I'm not talking about South Carolina. I'm talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Caitlin Clark, the point guard for Iowa, had one of, if not the, best tournament in women's tournament history. She was getting ready, and it looked like the Iowa Hawkeyes were ready behind Clark to hoist the trophy for the first time in school history. But there was one team in their way, LSU also looking for their first tournament victory, um, or, or I should say championship game victory, and they were led by Angel Reese. And that's another great story that I'm going to get into later. But the national championship game was a phenomenal achievement for women's basketball. Yet the result of the game seems to be the only thing that we are not talking about. And now, a deep dive with TJ O'Sullivan, presented by NCT Sports. Welcome to Deep Dive with TJ O'Sullivan. I am your host, TJ O'Sullivan. This is episode four of Deep Dive, and we are going to talk about the thing that everyone seems to be talking about right now, the 2023 NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament Championship Game, or rather, the final couple seconds. It featured two teams, very different in, in the way that they came to the national championship game. And I wanted to bring everyone through the context, the teams coming into this game, and the obvious overlying issue that is now coming out of the result of the game. This one could be a long one. I might not be able to uh, stick it under... Um, Stick it under 30 minutes, which I know is a huge thing that I that I take pride in, you know, making this a shorter episode. But there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. So I do have a timer. I'm going to try my best, but let's get right into it, okay? Two teams, like I said, very different in the way that they got to the national championship game. Let's start with the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're the sure thing, right? They're the Big Ten preseason number one team, and they finished number two. Just one game back from Indiana 
to make that prophecy a reality. Projected to win the Big Ten tournament in the preseason rankings, and they did. Caitlin Clark was preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, and she was awarded the Big Ten Player of the Year and the Naismith National Player of the Year. And today she was awarded the Wooden National Player of the Year. She's got a lot of hardware coming after uh, she led the conference with 27.8 points. That's second in the nation, 8.6 assists, and she grabbed 7.1 rebounds. Uh, She was fifth in the conference for three-point percentage with uh, 38.9%, but in terms of her actual numbers, she attempted by far the most threes in the nation, and she hit just under 40% of them. The next highest total was 100 threes less. So just to put that into perspective, she finished the regular season, or I should say the Iowa Hawkeyes finished the regular season 26-6, and earning a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Relatively smooth run to the Final Four. All victories by double digits. It was Clark who shined. In the tournament alone, 29 of 69 three-pointers. That's just over 42%. She dropped a 41-point triple-double on Louisville. She had 41, 12, and 10. And in the Elite Eight, she had another 41 points in an upset win over South Carolina to give the Iowa Hawkeyes a berth to the national championship. On the other side of the bracket, you have the exact opposite. The LSU Tigers. They were the unknown coming into this season. Kim Mulkey. Longtime Baylor head coach. She was entering her second year at LSU, where she said she had, quote, unfinished business. What unfinished business? In 2020 to the 2021 uh, season, uh, under head coach Nikki uh, Fargus, excuse me. So 2020 to 2021, under Nikki Fargus, the team goes 9-13. And And that's, of course, uh, a shortened season, uh, but it's a losing season, and Nikki Fargus and LSU part ways. So in Mulkey's first season, in 2021 to 2022, they go 26-6, ranking as high as 6th on the AP poll. They earned a two-seed in the SEC tournament, which they were eliminated in the quarterfinals. And they earned a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. That was a second-round exit. So it was a huge turnaround. You know, you go from a losing record to uh, six losses on the season— uh, regular season. Uh, but of course, for Kim Mulkey, you know, she's a three time national championship winning head coach in uh, women's basketball. That's not enough. That's not good enough. She wanted more for not only LSU, but for her team. And she had some serious problems going into 22 23. She only had four players returning. Emily Ward, Amani Bartlett, Ryan Payne, and Alexis Morris. Alexis Morris being the only player who really made a serious impact. Uh, Payne and uh, and Morris were the only two that played. Payne came off the bench. Uh, Morris was second in scoring on the team. Um, she needed to assemble a team that offseason, and assemble she did. Two freshmen coming in, Flage Johnson, the third-highest scorer on the 22-23 team, uh, and Samaya Smith, 
also making a huge impact in scoring. But it was Mulkey's five transfers that really made the difference. You had Ladasia Williams from Missouri, Kateri Poole from Ohio State, Last Terpoa from Northwest Florida State College, Jasmine Carson from West Virginia, an elite three-point shooter, and of course, the former number two player in the nation, the number one player in the transfer portal out of Maryland, Angel Reese. She's a baller. Marquee pickup for Mulkey. She was she was set to lead this team. And lead she did. She set the SEC single season record for double doubles with 34. Breaking the previous record, which was 32. Uh, Alexis Morris returned to reprise her role as the second leading scorer. Also shooting 33% from three. This entire team was stacked with three-point shooters. Alexis Morris, Jasmine Carson. I mean, they, they were able to stretch the floor. And Angel Reese really benefited from her play inside. So the Tigers end up losing to Tennessee in the SEC tournament semifinals. Just their second loss of the year. There was still unfinished business, and they handled that in the tournament. Easy first weekend, two 20-point-plus uh, wins. Uh, they upset number 2 Utah in the Sweet 16. They beat Miami in the Elite Eight, and then they upset a one-seed in Virginia Tech in the Final Four to advance to the National Championship. So now let's get into the games. We know how they got there. How did the actual game go? Uh, it was a phenomenal game. Uh, Caitlin Clark led Iowa to a 42-point first-half performance. Uh, the team shot 13 of 26 from the field, 50%, 6 for 11 from 3. Clark had 16 points in the first half, 4 of her uh, 8 threes that she'd finish with. Uh, and that was the most uh, by a player in women's national championship game history. Great first half for Iowa. The problem is the fact that LSU, behind Jasmine Carson's 16-point second quarter, led LSU to a stunning 59 points through the first half. 32 points for LSU in that second quarter, where Carson was perfect from the field. Six for six, four of those were threes, and the last three that she hit... At the buzzer, a fadeaway buzzer beater from the wing, uh, banked off the glass, sends LSU to the locker room 59-42. Through the rest of the game, Iowa actually cut the lead down to 11 at one point, uh, but LSU wasn't going to let up. They were way too deep, way uh, way too dedicated to this, which we'll get into why in just a second. Uh, They answered every single time, and they secured the first basketball national championship in the school's history with a final score of 102 to 85. The highest scoring uh, women's basketball national championship game ever, the highest rated, um, but those final seconds is what brings us to the storyline that everyone's talking about. LSU versus Caitlin Clark. Court is in session. What I'm going to do here is I, I've i spent the last, uh, it's Tuesday, April 4th. Uh, the game happened on Sunday. I've spent the last two and a half days uh, just going through different articles, 
going through clips, going through press conferences, and accumulating all of the facts. I'm not going to uh, express any form of opinion until the very end. I am just, I tried my best to put everything into chronological order while also providing some context, okay? So let's start with some of the context behind Caitlin Clark. Not only is she hoisting up Curry-like shots and having an incredible tournament and having the best season um, by a player this year, um, but Clark's known for being really expressive on the court. Three things that she's done that kind of led to the end of the game, okay? She adopted the John Cena You Can't See Me celebration, which is where, uh, like, John Cena, WWE wrestler, he would wave his hand in front of his face like, you can't see me. And when Caitlyn does it, it is like a, it implies that the defense can't keep up with her. She's invisible to them. They can't guard her, okay? In the Elite Eight versus Louisville, Clark did that to uh, Haley Van Lith, her uh, her um, her assignment, or the person who was assigned to guard her. Um, and then she's also caught on camera saying to the Louisville guard, Haley Van Lith, you're down 15 points, shut up. That's what we could read from her lips. And it's pretty clear. You can go check out the video. Um, so Caitlin Clark... Uh, definitely did both of those things. And in the final four, uh, this is the one that, that caught Twitter by storm. Um, South Carolina, uh, their guard, Raven Johnson, um, she was left wide open at the three-point line. Caitlin Clark was assigned to her, and instead of going to meet her at the three-point line, she stood in the middle of the paint and just waved her hand at her dismissively, almost to say, like, ah, you can shoot that, go ahead. So that's the storyline behind Caitlin Clark, okay? Now here's LSU. That final four incident with Caitlin Clark ignited the LSU locker room. LSU was the one who took offense, not the Gamecocks. Multiple LSU players stated their displeasure with the way that Iowa defended the South Carolina guards, and Alexis Moore was on record saying that she wasn't going to be able to do that to them. Um, talking about Clark, uh, LSU reportedly used this as fuel going into Sunday. Okay. So now we have the brewing, the, you know, the problems brewing in the pot, right? So here is the situation. And if you don't know what happened, you've probably been living under a rock, but I'll explain it anyway. The fourth quarter never saw LSU lead by less than 11 points. Final seconds are ticking off the clock, and Angel Reese of LSU goes right up to Caitlin Clark and starts to mock her you-can't-see-me celebration. And then she turns to her as the buzzer is getting ready to sound and starts pointing to her ring finger, implying that there's going uh, to be some jewelry there pretty soon. Clark later said that she didn't notice, but all the while, while she was on the court, uh, through every angle that I could find, uh, she didn't look her way. She didn't, um, she didn't do anything, uh, in response. It was just Angel Reese pointed at her finger and then they went to go celebrate. Reese later says that Clark quote, got a taste of her own medicine and quote, 
and that she couldn't get away with disrespecting LSU. Reese then mentioned in a press conference this quote, which is a a, a huge quote. It's going around right now. I'm going to read it word for word. Quote, All year I was critiqued about who I was. The narrative. I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit into the box y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this is for the girls that look like me, that's going to speak up on what they believe in. It's unapologetically you. It was bigger than me tonight. End quote. So, as if you couldn't tell why there wouldn't be two major sides to this, uh, I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, here, here are the two sides. I'm not agreeing with either side. I'm just basically stating what the two main schools of thought on this situation is. Okay, you have side number one, which defends Clark. Clark never made, these are, these are the bullet points that I have here, uh, for the argument that I've gotten through, uh, Twitter tweets, um, through articles, through what people are saying through the media. Uh, these are just the, the basic ideas towards this, uh, this argument is that Clark never made any comments towards LSU. Uh, Clark made those gestures, uh, without targeting anyone, uh, never taunted unless was, she was provoked and Clark was humble in victory and defeat. Now, the gestures without targeting anyone, I, I will say that that's false, uh, but I'm going to get into it later. Okay, but that's that's the argument, is the fact that she handled herself, um, the the term that's being thrown around right now is class. She, she held herself to a higher standard. Side number two defends Angel Reese, and it is... A race issue. Angel Reese is black. Caitlin Clark is white. They made the same gestures, yet Reese is classless. It has turned into a race issue. Those defending Clark are viewed as hypocrites. ESPN's first take aired yesterday uh, on Monday. Stephen A., uh, he said that this is a racial issue. No one talks about what Clark did to Van Lith and Raven Johnson. Molly Karim, uh, the host of First Take, said that people wouldn't care as much if a man did this. So those are the two sides. You've got those backing Clark, those backing Reese. I'm going to go through the next couple things, because I'm sure that you've heard a lot about um, everything that, you know, uh, the main issues that everybody's talking about. So I'm going to go through rapid fire with a couple of things, because that's not the main point that I want to make here. Okay. Do I think Clark was taunting? Yeah, of course. Do I think Reese was talking uh, or excuse me, taunting? Yeah. She made a point in it. You know, they were both taunting. Do I think the context was different? Cause that's a huge argument is that the context with Caitlin was different from Reese. And I say yes and no, because of a couple of things. No, because they're both talking trash. If you can dish it, you should be able to take it, okay? And another thing that I want to point out is nothing that I am saying right now in in regards to Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese has nothing to do with what I feel about them as players or as individuals. It honestly, you know, I'll say this later again, but this entire issue has nothing to do with them. 
absolutely nothing. It has to do with a couple things. I'm going to get into it later. So yes and no was the context different. Yes and no. Haley Van Lith for Louisville, who Clark had a uh, a, a thing with, uh, she's a well-known trash talker. She's a well-known trash talker. And the reason that I bring that up is because Clark said, quote, you're down 15 points, shut up, end quote. You don't tell someone who's silent to shut up, okay? I would, I would bet a lot of money, and there's no, there's no microphones that picked it up. There's no angle that I could see that I could read uh, Haley Van Lith's lips. I only saw from behind her uh, on the shot that's fixed on Caitlin Clark. Um, I can almost guarantee you that Haley Van Lith said something, and Clark responded. Is that right? No. Am I going to hold Caitlin 110% responsible for that situation? No, I think it's just two players, two competitors in the heat of the moment. Just talking. As we've all done on the, the pickup basketball court a time or two. However, you don't make a gesture staring directly at someone with good intentions. And that's referring to after that comment was made by Caitlin Clark. She ran back down to the other end. There's a timeout called. And as they're crossing paths, Caitlin Clark does the you can't see me in Haley Van Lith's face. I've seen a lot of people that say, a lot of Iowa fans, a lot of Iowa supporters that are saying that Caitlin Clark was doing that to the bench. I don't buy it. Sorry. I don't. I think it was I think it was at Haley Van Lith, but at the same time, I'm not defending Clark. I'm not defending Van Lith. I think it's just a really electrifying moment in in uh in, in college basketball. Uh the Wave versus Ray uh excuse me. The Wave versus Raven Johnson. I thought that was a pickup basketball tactic to try and get in her head. Like, oh yeah, you go ahead and shoot. Uh when you start hitting threes, I'll start respecting your shot. Um is it still trash talking? Yes. Is it still disrespectful? Absolutely. Not defending Clark in the slightest here. Honestly, she could have probably done away with the wave. And we would have had nothing to talk about here other than the fact that LSU won a national championship. Honestly. Like, for real. Probably nothing else happens. It's that wave that caught LSU's attention. So now we get to Angel Reese. Um... She, the, the you know, the, I think that she targeted Clark and she felt that she was disrespecting LSU, talking about Clark. Um, so she was trying to get her point across that like, you know, he, you dished it out, now you can take it, you know, in your face. Does the context make it any different or better? No, on either side. They're both talking trash. There's absolutely no difference. None whatsoever. They are still talking trash. I don't care uh, what the color of your skin is. I don't care what your gender is. They're still talking trash. And here's another thing. A lot of the people that have an opinion about this saying like, oh, you're not holding yourself with class. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. None of you played elite basketball at this level. Nobody. Nobody that's talking about this. And the people that are, the people that have played and are talking about it, they seem to think, that there's no difference. 
Go look at any quote. So, does the context make it better? No. They both chirped. They're both competitive athletes. They're both dealing with emotions on the court. They both expressed them. And I'll leave it at that. There's no difference in my mind. Do I think Angel Reese is classless or hood or ghetto? No. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Angel Reese. She's the child of two former pro players, attended St. Francis in Baltimore, uh, participated in swimming, track, volleyball, ballet, as well as basketball. She was an honor roll student at uh, at, at uh, St. Francis. First jersey retired by St. Francis in program history. She's a McDonald's All-American, highest recruited player in St. Francis program history. That doesn't sound like classless to me. That sounds like a motivated and driven young woman. Have I heard her referred to as classless? Only twice. The Caitlin Clark scenario, which is brand new. And then there was one scenario that I saw and I, and I looked for anything, um, about, you know, having it been a theme that she'd been called classless in the past or anything. Uh, she made a block earlier this year, um, after losing her shoe, uh, and she posed, uh, and fans brought up class and she had a very similar quote on Twitter. Something along the lines of, you know, I'm sorry, I don't fit your narrative, but here in Baltimore, we talk trash, you know, cause she's from Baltimore. Um, so like, those are the only two scenarios that I've ever heard anything negative or even remotely negative about Angel Reese. Do I think it's a race issue? Yes and no. And let me explain why. For those of you just getting to know me, not familiar with uh, me or my work, um, my father's black, my mother's white, um, I am biracial. So I tend to think that I have a very interesting, um, I have an interesting opinion on a lot of this stuff or an interesting take, I should say, angle. Um, <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing guaranteeing you that all of my opinions are, are interesting, but <laughs> um that's, I just want to get that across, um, so that you know where I'm coming from. The, it, it's not about the players. I don't think that the actual, um, disrespect of South Carolina's guards by Caitlin Clark or the Angel Reese pointing at the finger, uh, directed at Caitlin Clark. I don't think that any of that's racist. I think that the depiction of this scenario is... I think there's some racial undertones. I I do. Because you it has nothing to do with the players themselves, everything to do with the media and the social media impact. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's go back in time. When Clark made the gesture at Van Lith in the Elite Eight versus Louisville, and she told her to shut up, and when she, ra- and, and when she waved off uh, Raven Johnson in the Final Four... A lot of the the comments I saw on Twitter were cool, ruthless. She's got ice in her veins. I even heard Mamba Venta- Mamba mentality at one point. Um, when Reese did it, the exact same gesture. All of a sudden, it's classless. It's kicking her while she's down. It's gutless. Clark is white. Reese is black. Twitter is a hundred percent making this a race issue. I'm seeing Clark take a lot of hate just by being involved in the situation and what she did in previous rounds. And I'm seeing Reese take a lot of hate for doing what she did. 
and neither one of those two, neither one of those two uh, events or actions is actually what we're talking about here. I feel I feel like Clark's taken a lot of hate for um, being depicted, <laughs> and Ray and and Angel Reese is taking a lot of hate for being depicted, and it's not necessarily them. If that makes any sense, I don't know how else to explain this. I've been trying to think about it all day, but the way that they're being depicted, they're being um, by by other people. The players themselves are becoming the victims of this this backlash. And it drives me nuts. I've seen so many comments like white people real mad right now or too bad Clark's better, Reese is just classless or Reese's hood or any of that. Like I can't I I can't I don't I don't believe it. The fact that this scenario is what's going, we're, we're now just going to go at each other like this. I even saw one comment. I'm going to keep it anonymous because I'm not even sure that it's still up. But I saw a comment where a young black man defended Caitlin and another black man said, you don't represent your people well. And that's just... There's something about that to me. That's like, we can't even watch watch a sporting event without going at each other's throats. And it's not the first time that something like this has happened. Let's go back in time. Reggie Miller, okay, in the NBA, he caught flack for the choking gesture he made at Spike Lee when the Pacers were playing uh, the Knicks. Then you have Larry Bird, who is heralded, put on a pedestal, as the greatest trash talker of all time, the story that keeps going around is he walks into the locker room before the three-point contest and he goes, all right, who's coming in second? Bird heralded. Reggie Miller, he caught some flack, white and black. Recently, Pat Beverly and Austin Reeves. Pat Beverly hit LeBron with the uh, the two little celebration. Um Shouldn't have done that. No place for it. That was the uh, the the general um, uh, consensus of that because it, whether it be whether you want to argue because it was a floater and there's nothing to be little about or the fact that you know whatever. But then Austin Reeves, a couple games later, Lakers are playing Pat Bev again, and Austin Reeves it's a floater and does the too little celebration. And it's, wow, way to have your teammates back. That's funny. What goes around comes around. And it's like, it's kind of a different scenario. And no one's feelings got hurt in this particular situation. But it's just another example of black athletes portrayed in the media in a negative light. As little of a situation as it was, it still highlights a problem. Here's one that just happened today on April 4th, Tuesday. This this just came to light, Okay. First Lady of the United States, Jill Biden, she attended the championship game on Sunday. She made the following comments, quote, I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But, you know, I think I'm I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game, end quote. Reese, Angel Reese, responded on Twitter with just two words. A joke. 
When are the runner-ups ever invited to the White House? Never, by the way, I checked. I went through the entire list of teams invited to the White House. Not a single, not a single runner-up to a championship game has ever been invited. The first lady then later says that she attended, she she intended to applaud both teams for the historic for the historic game, which is fine. But since when did the rules change? There's an implied meaning, and whether or not she intended it, it's still there. Where the first lady doesn't agree with Angel Reese's actions, and that Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes should take some of the spotlight away from the national champions. That is an implied message intended or not. And that's why Angel Reese is upset about it. But here's my main issue. Okay. So, so just to, just to summarize with the main issues, right? I am on Angel Reese's side, quote unquote, kind of in terms of the depiction side, but in terms of, uh, I'm not in any way, shape, or form tearing down Caitlin Clark. She's a phenomenal player. They're both phenomenal players, okay? And this issue has nothing to do with them, okay? But my main issue, the way that all of this gets avoided, the thing that I can't find a single person commenting about, Why is LSU taking offense to the way that Iowa guarded South Carolina? Two teams that are not LSU. How does that get construed as LSU disrespect? The wave to Raven Johnson from Caitlin Clark should be the only thing that pisses off anyone. And the party that should be pissed off is South Carolina, not LSU. The wave itself was disrespectful, but I'm hearing Alexis Morris saying they can't guard us like that, but let's look at the numbers. Raven Johnson averaged 4.2 points per game, and she shot 24% from three. The stats back up her decision to let her shoot. Meanwhile, for South Carolina, the top four scores: ready? Zia Cook, a forward. Aaliyah Boston, a forward. Camilla Cardoso, a 6'7 center, and Letitia Amir, a forward. They combined for 45.3 points per game, over half of the team scoring on 48.8% shooting. Of those four, the only three-point shooter, or the only person that actually shoots threes, is Zia Cook. She shoots 35% on 182 attempts this year but she has three times as many makes from the paint point that I'm trying to make here is South Carolina. I don't want to say they're a one dimensional team, but that's what Iowa was trying to do. They focused on down low and the decision paid off. I, I, I chalked that up as a good coaching decision. I don't chalk that up as they were planning to during their game in South Carolina. Basically, I don't think that they were going and thinking in the pregame like, all right, we do this well. LSU is going to get pissed off. I don't I don't see it. Sorry, I really don't. I really don't. But here's Alexis Moore on Iowa's defense. Quote, me personally, I find it very disrespectful. I'm going to take that personally going into that game. 
You're going to have to guard us. That's just the competitor in me and the will to win. I watched the game, and I'm watching them guard South Carolina. I don't think they can guard us that way. I don't think you can just leave me open on the perimeter or leave us open on the perimeter. End quote. Here's Caitlin Clark on Saturday in the preview press conference. Ready? Quote, We're not going to guard LSU the same way we guarded South Carolina. Obviously, with South Carolina, you've got to pick your poison. If they were going to beat us, we were going to let it be by the three-point line. You have to pick and choose your battles. We had all the respect in the world for South Carolina, and especially their post-play, end quote. So, that was an indirect response, because the way that the question was formed, it was like, you know, what they they kind of said, you know, oh, well, LSU's been kind of talking about it. Um, and that's what Caitlin Clark said. Reese, Angel Reese, said after the natty, quote, Caitlin Clark is a hell of a player for sure, but I don't take disrespect lightly, end quote. Where? Like, seriously, after everything I just said about, about the whole race issue and how I, I, I see that, I, I agree with that. I stand behind Angel Reese and Stephen A. And, and all of them that have come out and said something about it. I stand behind them. But how do you misconstrue? I, I don't want to say that because that's speculatory. How do you interpret the way that another team guards another team? Disrespect towards your team. That's what I don't understand. And, and it could have completely ended this entire charade. Is it the previous relationships that Angel Reese has with Raven Johnson and Haley Van Lith through various USA basketball events? It could be. But that's not what that's not what she said. Even if it was, why are her teammates making it about the disrespect towards LSU? Alexis Moore, Kateri Poole, Angel Reese, they all made it out like they were disrespected personally by Clark. So then I thought, well, maybe it's a previous game between these two teams. Um, The last time Iowa and LSU played, it was last century, okay? They haven't played in the 21st century uh, previous to Sunday, okay? So it's not that. Um, The only two who have shared the court before Sunday, coincidentally, are Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. Angel Reese was at Maryland. That's where she committed to out of high school. And both Iowa, Maryland, Big Ten schools. So they've played three times before the national championship game. And I looked at all the recaps and I did it. I even did it from Maryland's perspective. I tried to do it from Iowa's uh, through their website, but they didn't post recaps. So... I read every single recap, all three recaps. On February 23rd, 2021, they only mentioned Caitlin Clark's 36 points, didn't mention Angel Reese at all. And of course, that was also a season where uh, Reese was coming back from injury. Uh, she had a Jones fracture in her foot. So she was that was an up and down year for her. Uh, in the Big Ten Championship game that same year, it mentioned... 
uh, on March 13th of 2021, I want to include the date in there, it mentioned that Reese had a no-look pass, uh, praised Clark for having a great rookie season performance because she was the Big Ten Rookie of the Year. Okay, so that's two out of the three. The third one was last year, February 14th, 2022. Angel Reese led the game with 25 points, and it mentioned how Clark was limited by the Maryland defense to just 19 points after she had led the uh, the nation in scoring. None of the recaps mention any beef, any altercation, nothing. So it's not pre-existing history. It's not anything that Caitlin Clark has said publicly about LSU. And it's not Iowa versus LSU, because like I said, this is the first time in at least two decades that these teams have played. Nobody in either roster, nobody on either roster was alive the last time that uh, Iowa and LSU played, okay? So here are my final thoughts. I'm 10 minutes over. <laughs> but this is, it's an important topic. It is, and and I'm, I don't want to say I'm glad that it happened, but it definitely gave me something to talk about. And it gave me, you know, I'm happy that this podcast gives me the uh, the platform to, you know, say these things. But here are my final thoughts, and then I'll get out of here, try and keep this regarded as a short podcast. I was really excited for the storylines converging in the women's basketball landscape. I was really excited for the national championship game, and now it's muddied by this situation. It's completely muddied. This was the greatest women's basketball tournament ever by ratings. It was the the game itself was the most important game in women's basketball history, in my personal opinion. It garnered the most attention. It was it it seriously started to show because the the go-to argument. For a lot of people that don't watch women's basketball is, oh, it's boring. It's not as good as the men. This one was as good as the men. Okay, this this completely invalidates that argument. That was an elite basketball game. Those girls absolutely killed it out there. Caitlin Clark was hitting shots left and right. Jasmine Carson was phenomenal. Angel Reese secured her 34th double-double of the season, setting a national record. Uh, Kim Mulkey got her fourth national championship, putting her at number three all time in terms of women's uh, head coaches behind Gino Auriemma and Pat Summit. There was absolutely nothing that this game didn't have. And now we're pushing agendas. We're pushing. Uh, I don't want to say that we're pushing agendas. I want to say that this is just, it, it's just, we're taking away from the incredible achievement that women's basketball has made. Because I'm not... So, let me clear that up. Because I definitely didn't mean it like that. But when I say pushing agendas, I mean that all we're talking about after after one of the greatest women's basketball games that's ever been played, all we're talking about is what happened off the court. All we're talking about is what's happening on Twitter. And that's sad. Because, by the way, LSU just won their first basketball national championship. Not women's, basketball. They have not won in men's or women's prior to Sunday. And they've got one. 
and they should be the stars of the show. But somehow Iowa's getting an invite to the White House, and no one's talking about the fact that LSU just won a national championship. We're talking about Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. When Caitlin Clark is yet to say anything, she's yet to say anything in regards to LSU. And that's not to make LSU look bad. It's really not. But it's just like, we're talking about a fabricated situation. It just is. Go look. I I just laid it out for you. But if you don't believe me, go look. The one silver lining in this entire thing is that we're still talking about it. Because that's what women's basketball needs. We're still talking about it. And keep up with women's basketball next year. Because if you thought this tournament was fun, if you thought this year was fun, Clark and Reese could return. Olivia Miles is going to return to Notre Dame. And possibly Dara Mabry. She's got some eligibility left. So Notre Dame could return to prominence. And speaking of returning to prominence, Paige Beckers at UConn. She's coming back. Three of South Carolina's top four scorers are seniors, but they could still technically have some eligibility with with COVID years, and I I could see them return as well. But, I mean, regardless if they do, it's South Carolina. This is the South Carolina era of women's basketball, so they're always going to be a threat. The sport is on the rise. That's the big takeaway here. So to that I say, keep it up. Keep watching women's basketball. And ladies, keep it up on the court because you're doing some incredible things out there. And it is it is damn fun to watch. So, give me your takes. What do you think about everything that I just laid out? What's your take on this whole class situation? Are you happy that LSU won a national championship? I'm definitely, I'm going to cut off the uh, the, <laughs> the outro music because I definitely just tried to get more attention towards that situation after I just did an entire podcast talking about it. So instead, I want you to follow this podcast on Instagram at NCT Deep Dive Podcast and follow me on Twitter at TJ O'Sullivan underscore. And I want you to shoot me a congratulations LSU or a congratulations to Iowa on a great year. That's what I want. But give me your takes anyway. Give give me your takes. Give me what you want to hear next. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that's women's basketball. That's college basketball. Uh, after last night, UConn won the national championship. So congratulations to them. So that's the uh, the college basketball season on the baseball, as I keep saying. I, I, I had to bring up baseball, didn't I? Anyway, let me know what you want to hear next. My name's TJ O'Sullivan. This has been Deep Dive. We'll see you next week.